How about some jazz? I'm actually on vacation right now, so I thought, why not just pop in and put together a jazz show for you lovely folks so that you'll have something to start off your Friday morning in a relaxed atmosphere. You know the drill. Five songs, five stories, five artists. This is Songs and Stories, Supplemental Jazz Edition, Part 49. Rapidly approaching Part 50, which I'm going to try and put together for you this coming Sunday, so you get two shows in the same week. Sort of. (laughs) So I hope you're feeling well wherever you are. I'm very relaxed as I have myself a cup of coffee on this gorgeous Friday morning. Although the weather is not fully cooperating, it's gorgeous because I have another day on this earth. And every day above ground is a gorgeous day as far as I'm concerned. So, let's start things off with a recording from uh, 1970 from the album Tristeza on Piano, which is a Portuguese word. I don't actually even know what the word means, to be honest, but I will look it up, okay? This is from the late, great man with four hands, Mr. Oscar Peterson, with his interpretation of the composition Down Here on the Ground, originally written in uh, mid-60s, I believe, I don't have the exact date, written by uh, Gail Garnett and Lalo Schifrin from the album Tristeza on Piano. This is the Oscar Peterson Trio.
Oscar Peterson, the Oscar Peterson Trio, featuring Sam Jones on double bass and Bobby Durham on the drums, from the album Tristeza on piano. Now that record was recorded in 1970, but for reasons beyond uh, my apprehension, apprehension, acknowledgement, yeah, I can't apprehend it either. It was shelved for some 35 years and wasn't released until 2005. Why, I don't know. But it was released two years um, before Oscar Peterson passed away and three before Bobby Durham died. Sam Jones passed away at the very young age of 57 in 1981. He was only one year older than Oscar Peterson. But uh, sadly he died, as I said, in 1981, some 40 years ago, which is... Wow. It's difficult for me to believe sometimes that 1981 was 41 years ago, and yet, here we are. <laughs> it certainly was. I don't know, man. Sometimes the passage of time is just strange. Of course, Sam Jones uh, died of lung cancer, The, uh, like I said previously, at the age of 57. Now, the uh, recording, uh, Tristeza on piano, for some reason, I don't know why, was shelled, and I can't even find out um, any information as to why that was. It was released on the MPS label in uh, 19, or sorry, 2005, and it was originally produced by Hans-Jörg uh, Brunner-Schwer. I hope I said that correctly. Eight tracks on that record, and that record is, uh, uh, you can also, you can constantly hear that if you ever tune into the Ontario Parliament Network which is the Ontario Provincial Parliament, which would be similar to CPAC, for those of you who are interested in politics. Um, I guess C-SPAN would be somewhat of an equivalent for my American friends, but this is for the province of Ontario only. The album is featured along with the album Canadiana Suite, uh, which was recorded in 1964, as the background music when uh, the uh, Parliament is not in session, when the House isn't sitting. So if you ever just happen to Tune in to the Ontario Parliament Network. You will be happy to hear the glorious sounds of the Maharaja of the keyboard. Maharaja of the keyboard. My apologies. That name, of course, uh, handed down to him from uh, Duke Ellington. Of course, Oscar Peterson was simply known as O.P. by his friends. And in the jazz community, he was very often referred to as the King of Inside Swing. Awarded the Order of Canada the Order of Quebec, and the Order of Ontario. Over 200 recordings and seven Grammy Awards, as well as numerous Lifetime Achievement Awards. One of history's great jazz pianists. The late, great Oscar Peterson. All right, so let's change it up just ever so slightly. I'm going to feature a track from uh, Lee Sidewinder Morgan. Sidewinder being his most famous track and what he was often referred to thereafter. This is Cornbread from Lee Morgan. Thank you. 
Lee Morgan. From the album Cornbread, the title track, Cornbread, recorded September 18th, 1965, at the Van Gelder Studio in Englewood Cliffs, New Jersey. Of course, that song was featuring the uh, musicianship of Lee on trumpet, of course. Jackie McLean, alto sax. Hank Mobley, tenor sax. Herbie Hancock on the piano. Larry Ridley on the bass. And Billy Higgins on the drums. Now, the album was originally released in uh, the end of January of 1967 and peaked at number seven on the U.S. Billboard Jazz Albums charts. And unbeknownst to me, for some reason, it was re-released again in 1988, some 21 years later. And it peaked at number 15 on the U.S. Billboard Top Jazz Albums charts. So, two lives for that one record. From the late great Lee Morgan, who was struck down so very young in 1972, at the age of only 33, when his common-law wife, Helen, shot and killed him following a confrontation at Slug Saloon. In New York City. The late, great Lee Morgan. Now that record, um, the style, is often referred to as a combination of soul jazz and hard bop. And if you listen carefully, you can certainly hear both styles in there. I know I can. All right. Gonna change it up a wee bit, as I often do on this program. This is from the uh, late, great uh, Horace Silver from the album Horace Silver and the Jazz Messengers. And it's a 1956 repackage of 1955 10-inch LPs, which was kind of a thing back then. It certainly isn't today, but, you know, times have changed, right? These recordings really, really strongly established the hard bop style that Horace was known for. So it was recorded in uh, December 13th, 1954, and February 6th, 1955, at the Van Gelder Studio in Hackensack, New Jersey. This is Creeping In from Horace Silver. <laughs> Thank you. 
Silver and the Jazz Messengers from their uh, 1954 recording. Now, as I mentioned earlier, that's, um, that, that track was originally uh, released as a 10-inch LP. Now, the 10-inch LP was in competition with the 12-inch LP. I'm going to give you a little bit of background here about LPs. <laughs> so bear with me, if you would, for a moment or two. You need to understand that um, science and technology, along with commerce, merged all at the same time back in the well, mid-1940s. RCA Victor, Radio Corporation of America, which is what RCA stands for, introduced an early version of the long plane record for home use in September of 1931. Now, these were programmed transition discs, as, as they called them at the time, and rotated at 33 and a third RPM. Now, the idea at the time was not to sell records so much as it was to sell the players, because most home players at the time would only play 78s, because that was technically all that was available. Now, a 78 RPM record, 78 RPM recording, is a 10-inch. I have a stack of them. They're made of um, a very brittle material that can scratch quite easy. And if you're not careful, they will explode if you drop them. They weren't made of glass, but a shellac. Now, the original recordings, uh, cylindrical discs that Edison created back in the early part of the 19th or 20th century, I should say, 1900s, uh, they were recorded on wax, so they were limited with the amount of recordings you could make, or playbacks, I should say. You could record them and then play them back until they wore out. So if you may remember DJs in the 50s, or perhaps you've seen it in a film because you probably don't remember it, <laughs> radio DJs in the 50s used to say, we got stacks of wax, which was sort of a play on the old wax cylindrical discs. Well, anyway, the long plane record was introduced, like I said, first by RCA Victor in 1931, but it didn't really catch on because the players were quite expensive and the reproduction quality just wasn't very good. Then, of course, the Great Depression hit, and that was the kind of end of it. Record sales dropped from a high of a, about 106 million records in 1921 to about 5.5 million in 1933, largely due to a competition from radio broadcasts and, you know, the Depression. Nobody was able to really pay for things, let alone own a record player. And I say record players and a generic term for many of you to understand the uh, technology, the basis of it. So Columbia, which is uh, CBS Laboratories, Columbia Broadcasting System, that's what CBS stands for, uh, created uh, a new uh, format, the LP, the microgroove. The idea, of course, to, be to, to release uh, recordings in two formats, the 10-inch disc and, and the 12-inch disc. 10-inch being that it was a uh, a very common, commonly used format at the time for 78s. The 12 inch, 37, 30 centimeters, sorry, in, di in di centimeters, <laughs> centimeters in diameter. The standard 12 inches, which is what we all use today. Now, why the difference? Well, again, like I said, they wanted people to get used to the new format with the 10 inch and then move into the 12 inch. So there's a, a little bit of background. I could go on for hours about this, but. I want to get back to the music. So, as I said earlier, this record, 
Horace Silver and the Jazz Messengers is a 1956 repackage of the 1955 two, uh, a 1956 repackage of two 1955 LPs. The original records were um, the uh, Horace Silver Quintet in the Horace Silver Quintet Volume 2, repackaged on the 12-inch as Horace Silver and the Jazz Messengers. These were all written by Horace Silver, a brilliant pianist. Of course, Horace uh, passed away in uh, 2014, at the age of 85. He was living in New Rochelle, New York at the time. The man was an absolute giant of jazz and will never be forgotten. I mean, the man practically invented the hard bop style that you just listened to. And he was an absolute pioneer of it throughout the 1950s. Okay, I've been talking far too long right now. I think it's time we get back to the music. Oops, I just bumped my headset on my microphone. I terribly, terribly sorry about that. I apologize. Let's play a track from Wayne Shorter. This is uh, Major.
great Wayne Shorter from the album Juju, recorded in August 3rd, 1964 at the Van Gelder Studio in Englewood Cliffs, New Jersey, released in July of 1965. Absolutely brilliant record. A combination of post-bop, modal jazz, and hard bop. Of course, the artists featured on that were McCoy Tyner, the brilliant McCoy Tyner, who I was lucky enough to see in concert a few years ago here at the Ottawa Jazz Fest. Reggie Workman on bass and the brilliant Elvin Jones on the drums. From the record that really sort of helped establish him, it was his fifth album as a band leader with Blue Note Records, and it really did establish him solidly as the player to be with. Wayne Shorter. Just a brilliant player. He did have to retire recently, uh, sadly because his health was starting to fail. He is 88 years old. And let's face it, playing the sax does take a lot of uh, stamina and lung power. Brilliant player. He is featured on some 500-plus recordings and has 11 Grammy Awards. So the man is well-respected by his peers. His catalog will live on forever. The great Wayne Shorter. He only retired in early 2021. So almost 70 years. That's a hell of a career, my friends. Okay, so I have one more composition for today as we are nearing the end of the program. And uh, I'm going to change it up drastically for this next composition because my, uh, my friend Ozzy and my friend Linda, for that matter, have asked me frequently to play some bossa nova jazz. Now, I don't fancy myself as a jazz aficionado in any stretch of anyone's imagination let alone mine. But because I love jazz and because I love to expose people to the music, that's why I do this show. Now, when it comes to bossa nova, I am far from an expert. I'm very much an amateur, as the saying goes. So, ladies, I'm going to send this one out to both Ozzy and Linda, because I know they love bossa nova, and because I'm not a bossa nova guy, I'm going to do my best to try and tell you all about Mr. Baden-Powell from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Not, not the Boy Scouts guy. Some of you may or may not get that reference. This is uh, Canto de Osano from Baden-Powell from Rio. Enjoy this bossa nova groove.
Roberto Tijasano. Now that track, by Baden Powell, originally written in 1966, that was a re-release in 1990. And yes, he was named after the Boy Scout guy. We'll get to that in just a second. His full name was Baden Powell Diakino. But he went by Baden Powell simply due to the fact that it was largely recognizable amongst the English language speakers of the world as the guy who founded the Boy Scouts. They were in no relation whatsoever, but like I said, he was named after him. Now, uh, Baden died in uh, the year 2000, the age of 63, um, sadly because of pneumonia and multiple organ failure. He'd been hospitalized for about a month prior to his passing. He was born August 6, 1937, in a small town on the interior state of the, uh, Rio de Janeiro. Now, the track you just heard, if you thought, that, that sounds familiar to me, well, it should, because, quite frankly, it's been sampled. It was put into a popular song by the Jurassic Five back in 2006. Now, the sample used the same title, Canto Tijosana. Of course, they did some rap beats over it, so they changed it up. But it has such a dark, brooding rhythm to it that I think it's suitable for a lot of rap music, to be honest with you. I can see some hip-hop artists basically taking that on and making it completely their own. Now, the song has been featured in the background of several films and television shows over the years. I couldn't even begin to name them all because there's too many to name. But you can understand why, because that sample, that dark, deep, rhythmic flow to it really does set a tone. Somewhat reminiscent of um, Nina Simone's Cinnamon, which has a tone all its own that sets things up and knocks you down at the same time. All things being equal, I think the song, well, although technically it's not been sampled by the far side from their uh, track uh, Runnin', released in October of 1995, a delicious blend of hip-hop and jazz, they sampled the song um, Saudade Vem Corendo from Stan Getz's 1963 album Jazz Samba Encore. And they also have a sample from Rockbox by Run DMC in there. But the thing is, if you listen to that track by the far side, you cannot tell me for one split second that it was not influenced by this song. It's impossible. It, it, they sound so similar. It's kind of frightening. Anyway, so again, I wanted to send that out to my dear friends Ozzy and Linda because they are both big jazz bossa nova fans and as I'm not a big bossa nova guy it's not that I dislike it I just my exposure to it is somewhat limited so I'm trying to learn more as the days go by all right folks we have reached the end of today's programmed programmed program (laughs) I do make a lot of mistakes I am only on my first cup of coffee as it is you know early in the morning on a Friday I recorded this at about 5 a.m. So, by the time you receive it, it should be close to 7. I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you enjoy your day as we kick off a weekend. As I said, I'm on holiday, so I've got all the time in the world to do whatever I want. At least for another 
seven to ten days or something to that effect. <laughs> anyway, I hope you have a wonderful Friday and a spectacular weekend. I will return on Sunday morning to produce another jazz show. Until then, my friends, take care. Bye.